clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Man, what it do, nephew. Rocking and rolling on a Tuesday edition of Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros, Matt Miguez. James Mesh, the producer, the co-host, the suit-wearing aficionado. The man with the plan. The man with the plan, all of it. Can do it all. Is there anything you can't do, James? I don't think there is. Science. Okay. I'm not good at science. So if I asked you E equals MC squared? I would just be like, that's the formula for... What, wasn't it Einstein? No, that was no, no that was no, Stephen. No, it was Einstein. It was Einstein. Okay, well, the theory of relativity. Yeah, I know what? some of my. I know some of the periodic table. Oh, K is potassium. Yeah, N is uh, nitrogen. Yeah, yeah, you had to think about it. H is hydrogen. Yeah, O is oxygen. Uh huh. H two O is water. Yeah, but that's not on the periodic table. No, but it's, it's, uh-huh, it, uh-huh. it's. Uh, I forgot what it, what it, what is that? A, a compound element. Uh huh. Oh, look at me! What's NaCl? In that, in that salt. Close it's sodium chloride. Yeah, whatever. Same so difference. It's it's pretty cool. I don't know when this became a science radio show, but anyways. Hey, but we're testing everybody's basic knowledge of science. So, breaking news, it rained today. <gasps> Again? Again. Wow, never would have guessed. <laughs> I'm so over it, dude. I am so over it. I left my rain jacket here yesterday, and of course, when I leave my house, it's raining. Why? I, I feel like if I, if I stay in South Louisiana, like, long term... I might have to invest in a second rain jacket in case I leave one somewhere. It's absurd, man. From July to September. It's like having a, another set of keys just in case you lose one. Don't even get me started on that. Oh, I just did. Bought my car. It only came with... I bought it used, so it only came with one key. They go, oh, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll get you a second key. Never did. Never did. Had to call him like three times to follow up. Nothing. Never even answered my phone calls. So, obviously, I'm not going to throw the dealership under the bus. But, you know. Cool. Good good work there. All right. Big episode today of Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh. We've got three phenomenal guests. And, James, one thing I didn't realize. You, you, we're going to do To the Moon Tuesdays like we do every Tuesday here on Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh. It is not a wherewithal Tuesday. No, it is not. Brian Lima will not be joining us. It will be Apollo does. So, nowhere with all Tuesday. And how dare Brian to even bring that up? Just absolutely shameful. Anyways, the other two guests, I, I didn't realize this. We, we're doing one LSU opponent preview and one UL opponent preview. Correct. Both of them come from the state of Mississippi. Really? Ole Miss, Southern Miss. Yeah. They both come from the state of Mississippi. 
it, it I, I didn't realize that till I was preparing the segments, and I said, "Oh wait, how? Oh, co- oh they're both Mississippi. How, how coincidental? <laughs> oh, that's crazy. How coincidental? So we will we will look into that at four thirty. We'll join be joined by Stephen Willis of Locked On Ole Miss to talk about the Ole Miss Rebels, and then at five o'clock, David Eckert from the Hattiesburg American." will join us to talk about the Southern Miss Golden Eagles. And then, of course, at 5.30, we'll do To the Moon with Apollo Des of Apollo HOU. Game hotline 706-0111 if you want to get in on the action. Here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. All right, James, first thing I want to get to. Friday night, the Saints will take on the San Diego the Los Angeles Chargers in the Caesar Superdome. I, I got to get used to that. It's like Vegas, right? I, I I heard somebody call them Oakland the other day, and I was I was trying to remember what they were. I was like, it's not Las Vegas, it's right. not San Diego, it's not Los Angeles. What is it? Right, Oakland. That's what it was. And um, so the Saints play the Chargers, and it's the last preseason game of the season. And a lot of people are sitting here saying, oh, play the starters. Play the starters. Let's see Jameis. Uh, let's see. No. Let, let's, let's do this. Let's do that. Are you out of your mind? Are you out of your mind? It's a preseason game. It doesn't matter. I have seen teams go 0-4 because it was four games back then. I've seen teams go 0-4 in the preseason and win the Super Bowl. And then there's teams like the Baltimore Ravens who... Who haven't lost a preseason game in eight years. 2016. But yeah, they can't find the playoffs. No, they found the playoffs a lot, for a while. It's just last year. Okay, I'm Lamar, sorry. Lamar. I'm sorry. Find the playoffs and then get out in the first round. At least they make it. Mm, yeah. It's progress. Sure. Sure. Consistency is key. Sure. They haven't lost a preseason game in six years. But yet, Lamar Jackson's 1-3 in the playoffs. Yikes. So, no, back to the back to the point. Jameis Winston, I don't want to see Jameis Winston in pads Friday night. I want to see him holding a clipboard on the sidelines, coaching up Ian Book. Because, Lord, that dude needs some coaching. Ian Book needs a whole lot of coaching. And I don't know if coaching is going to be enough to get him a spot on the roster. That dude is very similar to the Yankees fan sipping beer out of a hot dog. Garbage. That is horrible. Let's go to the game hotline, 706-0111. Martin, what's up, buddy? Oh, man, I think it's a fabulous amazing idea for the Saints to play Jameis Winston. You would think I that, mean, wouldn't you? Get, he needs to get his reps in, and while they at it, they can play Andy Dawson. That way they both get hurt, and uh, y'all stuck with him book. How about that? How, how about how about Dak Prescott goes plays the third preseason game, and, and we see what happens with that? Uh, uh, I wouldn't be against it, you know? I mean, oh, you I mean should he be. needs to get his reps in, but anyway, uh, you took the word right out of my mouth. A Yankees fan sipping a beer. Well, not only you left out the best part. He poked a hole right through his hot dog 
and was using his hot dog as a straw to sip on a beer. I mean, that is just alcohol abuse to the utmost level. That is now, that is alcohol abuse. That is food abuse. That is human abuse. That's team abuse, but I really don't care about the amet. I mean, that's about a Yankees fan for you. I mean, that's probably how Paul eats his hot dog, like I said this morning. Nah, I still wouldn't do it with a piece of boudin. I thought about it, but now that I really, I was like, nah, you're ruining a good beer and a good piece of boudin. I would not. Now, only a Yankees fan would think of that because they already lost their mind. Because uh, their Yankees can't win right now, so uh, they done lost their mind. Martin, uh, they won last night. Wait, say that again? Didn't they win last night? Hey, they, I mean, one out of, what are they now after the All-Star break? But you can't, but you can't say that they can't win when they won last night. They ain't going to win in the playoffs. They're not going to win in the playoffs. Because okay. I called it the second half. I said the Yankees are going to they're gonna struggle the second half of the season. I was right about that. Now, I just, now we're just waiting on October to come because they're going to fall flat on their feet. Just like I keep telling Paul, but he don't want to listen. Now, uh, but yeah, uh, I think it's an awesome idea if um, the Saints start uh, Jameis Winston. That way they see what they got. I mean, play him for the first half and then just go from there, you know? But uh, but uh, the real reason I called, uh, did you hear who was making his return to the, U- the MMA uh, octagon in December? I did not. John Bones. Jones. Really? From what I'm hearing, I think they're, they got a, I don't know if he signed the contract, but he, I've seen it. Uh, I think he's supposed to be fighting heavyweight against Stipe uh, Miocic. But uh, if that's the case, my boy is finally going to come back. Hopefully he can stay clean. I mean, other than Dustin Poirier, John Bones Jones always been my favorite fighter. But uh, I don't know if that's official yet, but I did see some uh, some talks about it. I think he's he's aiming for December. At, uh, I think it's going to be UFC 282 that he's going to make his return back to the octagon. People, but, would, uh, uh, people would be happy about that. Oh, I will love every minute of it because John, other like I said, other than Dustin Poirier, John Bone Jones is my favorite fighter. But uh, thanks for taking my call. Go, go Cowboys! Uh, and uh, y'all have a good one, buddy. Talk to y'all later. Appreciate you, Martin. First off, there's no such thing as go Cowboys. That's an oxymoron. Um, secondly, did you, did you hear the lack of enthusiasm in his voice with that one? Right. No, he's, go Cowboys. Yeah, he's he's a true fan. I'll give him that uh, because he's he, dedicated. He's, he, he's he's not abandoning the, the the trash that is the Dallas Cowboys. But no, here's the thing, man. Jameis Winston, and I get the point. You know, he hasn't played in a year. This would give him the opportunity to get some reps under his belt. I get that. That's what joint practices are for. That's what joint practice is for. He's getting reps against somebody other than his own defense. He's not getting hurt. And here's the thing. I'm not saying he can't get hurt in practice, but the chances are significantly lower. If he gets hurt in practice, that's just unfortunate. That's just bad luck. It was meant to happen. I'm not putting my quarterback on the field for a preseason game where he can break a leg and miss the season before the season truly gets started. That is about the dumbest thing that you could do. 
That's like saying, oh, that's like Todd Bowles saying, oh, Tom, go get you some practice, bro. Go, go out there. Why? Because when he gets hurt and misses the entire season for a game that didn't count, then what are you going to do? You're going to look stupid. Stupid. Let's go back to the hotline, 706-0111. I knew this one was coming. Paul, what's up? Oh, man, glorious Yankee day, man. Woo, glorious day, man. Hey, let's, let's, you know, not, let, let's not take it too far. I mean, glorious Yankee day, that's, yeah. uh, that's another yeah. oxymoron. But go ahead. No, no, every day, um, hey, when the Yankees win is Yankee day. Which says you have to enjoy the wins, and that is true. You know, I mean, hey, when you look at it, you got some people like Martin say, we can't beat no good teams. I mean, we just beat one. Just, you know, I mean, come on, really? Yeah, it's but, the Mets. It's the I, Mets. I mean, they got the best record, right? So you got you to gotta count that in. The, the, you know, the, best, mean, the best record in what? On their side of baseball. Absolutely not. Los Angeles you know Dodgers. I mean? So, but, but this is what you have to look at. It's baseball. They got like about 40 games left. Anything can go any kind of way. It's not football and all of that. You know, that's what these little Yankee haters don't understand. You know, anything can happen. And look how when you play a series, you know, it comes and goes. You know, it can slip. I mean, look, we, we lost to the ugly side. You know what I mean? But we beat them early. I mean, you know, it's baseball. You know, but I do want to chime in about this great Yankees fan with that great creativity of an idea. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Man, that, was a, that was a great idea. I'm actually going to try that. That's going to show you how, I mean, Yankees fans, we creative, man. You know, we creative doing things, man. He perfected the hot dog. I mean, I don't think it's abuse at all. I'm actually going to try that, man. But I have a question. The dude that he was talking about, John Bones, you know, in the UFC, mm-hmm. what did he get, um, kept getting popped for? Was it steroids or cocaine? At one time, I think it was both. All right, okay. So he keep coming back and they keep giving him a chance. So that, does that mean Mike Irvin coming back? I mean, I'm just curious, you know. Uh-huh. But y'all was right. That he that enthusiasm, that list that he had when he was saying go cowboys, you know, he really wanted to say after that go Red Sox, but he can't. He can't. So he was trying to say it, but he couldn't. You know. So I'm gonna sleeve off with this. Go Yankees. Who that? Have a great one. <laughs> Appreciate you, Paul. You know, James, I- I'm so ready for the day that the Red Sox losing the wild card. And the Yankees can't get past the ALDS. I'm so ready for that day. I like it for both where they just don't make it. Or, I mean... That'd be even better. Yes, but the, the Yankees are, you know, 75. Gonna, and, they're making the playoffs for sure. They, yeah, they're not missing the playoffs. Another team that's going to fall apart is the Mets. The Mets haven't been this good in so long. They're not going to know what to do with themselves in October. They're five and five in their last ten. Yeah, but they're seventy nine and forty five of the year. Yeah, but it's just interesting how they're only oh, yeah. they're only playing five hundred ball right now. Right. So they are given a chance for the Braves to catch up. They're only three games behind. People are sleeping on the Braves, and you know who else? People people are sleeping on Tampa Bay too. Tampa Bay is only eight games back of the Yankees. And, yes, the Yankees have won two straight, but if they keep struggling like they've been, 
and the Rays keep winning, the AL East could get very the Yankees could go from the two seed to a wild card like that. Before that two game win streak, they were two and six in the last eight. Right. That's what I'm saying. And right now the Rays are eight and two and, in their last ten. And maybe so, and I maybe mean, they figured it out. And if that's the case, then I mean good on them, but if you if you go back to struggling, things could get real interesting in the AL East. Real interesting. Because the Rays have one of the top pitching staffs in baseball, especially with Shane McClanahan. They've got some good arms. So if they could keep the offense alive with Wander Franco and a, and a couple other guys, Randy Rosarena, I mean, you're looking at you're looking at some interesting, interesting baseball down the back stretch into late September, early October. Things will uh, things will get interesting. We'll talk about the Houston Astros a little bit later on in the show as Carlos Correa returns to Minute Maid Park as a member of the Minnesota Twins. We'll take a timeout when we return. James and I will look at the NFC North and NFC West and make our predictions in those two divisions. You're listening to the game at Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. I mean, I'm just curious, who in their right mind thought that it was a good idea to take a straw, or what appeared to be a straw, Take your hot dog out of the bun, poke a hole in each side, and drink a beer out of it. First of all, who drinks a beer from a straw? I don't drink beer, but that's idiotic. You drink that like a damn man out of the cup. A hot dog straw. That man should be banned from Yankee Stadium, and never allowed to buy any form of concessions ever again. I'm surprised he didn't get some candy and stick candy inside the hole of the hot dog. The man should starve. That's horrible. (laughs) I'm, I'm kidding, of course, but come on. You drank a alcoholic beverage out of a hot dog. Oh, that's horrible. All right, James, NFC North. Who you got finishing dead last? Dead last in the NFC North? Give me Dob Bears. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Give me Dob Bears. Oh, man. They're, I don't know that they can be fixed. Uh, I'm thinking they're going 2-15, and 3-14. It's, uh, it's a new coach. I've looked at the roster. Not a lot of star power. Not impressed with... I've never been impressed with David Montgomery. Even though we always... Finish is pretty solid when it comes to fantasy. Still, never want him. I don't. I don't like him on my team. I had him in 2018 or 2019. Did not enjoy it. I would say that was a three out of ten. Probably wouldn't do it again. Yeah. I, I think the ceiling for them is four and 13, five and 12. Yikes. That's that's the ceiling for me. I, I think they they have a very good chance of being a top two pick. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. Um, that's yeah. That I feel, I, I kind of feel bad for the Bears. I do. Um, third, I feel bad for Justin Fields. Detroit Lions. Yeah, I think they have a lot of fight. I think they'll be 
looking at it, I, I think they'll be a, a six and eleven, seven and ten team. I was about to say the curse of hard knocks has to come in at some point, right? Yeah, granted, but granted, hold well, hold on. Can it though? Because they're already so bad. I, I, maybe they just double Don, and in, and they maybe they go zero and sixteen or zero and seventeen. Oof. But I don't think so. I, I like this team. I like what Dan Campbell's doing. They got a lot of good weapons on the offense. They have a, I would say, serviceable QB. And and if Aiden Hutchinson can sack quarterbacks the way he can move to Billy Jean, yeah. I mean, you're but, still you're still fascinated with that video. <laughs> it, it's impressive, man. A, a, a big guy like me moving around like that. It's impressive. Uh, I I got to give it to him. It's fair. I got to give it to him. It's impressive. Um, but you got a two. The Packers. What? Okay, interesting. The Packers. I think the Vikings are going to be special this year. I do. And I, and that's me, that's with me saying that I don't like Kirk Cousins. Um, I think Aaron Rodgers takes a step back this year. And granted, in Aaron Rodgers' terms, a step back, he's still going to throw for 4,200 yards. Um, but his wide receiver number one went from Devontae Adams to Best receiver in the league. Alan Lazard. Hell yeah. He doesn't even have a great tight end. I mean, Tunyon's okay, but he's not... He's taking steps back. He's not elite. No. He's not even good. I'd say he's average at yeah. best. He, he's become average at this point. Not to mention, his offensive line is just as old as he is. <laughs> Yeah. There's a lot of questions on that offense for Green Bay. Defensively, I think they're pretty good, especially Jair Alexander in the secondary. But the offense the offense worries me because Aaron Jones, I don't know what the deal was with him last year, but he looked off last year. Maybe he gets it back together this year, but watching him play a couple times, he, he didn't seem like he ran the ball very well last year. Uh, Minnesota, I think Kirk Cousins has a good year. I think Dalvin Cook absolutely erupts you've got Justin Jefferson in in, out wide you've got Adam Thielen out wide remind me who the tight end is in Minnesota Irv Smith Irv Smith I think he's got a big year uh defensively they're they're set they're pretty good across the board um corner corner worries me corner yeah I'll agree with you on that corner worries me a little bit as well now when I say Minnesota's gonna win the division I see Green Bay going eleven and six, Minnesota going twelve and five. Oh, okay, kind of thing. Interesting. For me, I have Minnesota at two because yes, you're gonna be you're gonna look a lot like how the Rams did last year since you're getting the Rams offensive coordinator. But here's the thing: this is gonna be more. This is gonna be a foreshadowing, but. Looking at it, same thing with Mike McDaniel being a former 49er coach going to Miami, and like how I just said with the Bears. they It's going to be a culture reset. I think they're going to improve. I think they're going to be better than they did last year. But when it comes down to it, I, I got to believe in the Packers because you've this is going to be the fourth year for Matt LaFleur. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers, he's been back-to-back MVPs. You're gonna you're gonna be more of a grind control the clock kind of team. You're kind of you're gonna look a lot like how Cleveland is, where you just use both your backs a lot. You'll have receivers go deep every once in a while because we've been hearing a lot of good things out of Romeo Dobbs, and 
You got Alan Lazard, and I don't want to take Aaron Rodgers' word for like the Bible, but I mean, he loves Randall Cobb, and he is a big reason why Randall Cobb came back. If anything, he's probably the lone reason why Randall Cobb came back from Houston, going back to Green Bay. And he believes that Randall still is a pretty good slot receiver, so it's definitely a downgrade. Yeah. But I still got to believe you're going to grind control the clock. You have a really good defense. And Aaron Rodgers, he doesn't throw interceptions. Very few. So the fact that you're going to grind and control the clock even more, he may only throw two interceptions this year. And because of that, because of so little turnovers, you got the good defense. You're playing grind, control the clock. You're always going to be in a good position to win. As long as you're within a score, Aaron Rodgers is going to lead you to victory. So I can still see them going 12-5. and five. And then Minnesota being a nine and oh god nine and eight ten and seven oh god or I, I'd probably lean more ten and seven. And then in the West, Seahawks dead last. Yeah, Seahawks very much dead last. Terrible. Whether it's Geno Smith or Drew Lockett quarterback, it's not a good. It's either not a good way. look for DK and e- this e- offense. E- either way, you're drafting a quarterback next year. Yep, that's ba- that's bad. Uh, third. Arizona. I've got Arizona third. Yeah, you you kind of have to. It it's hard to put Los that, Angeles. That's, that's going to be a tight below two. That's going to be a tight race. Um, I've got the Rams second. Close, close division. This might be the tightest division race in the league. Oh, I believe it'll be. Th- I, I see it as there. There's a good chance that you only have you have three NFC West teams. Yeah. Oh yeah. Very good chance. Um, and, then, and then the Niners. The Niners first. I mean, Elijah Mitchell is going to continue right where he left off. You got Debo Samuel. You got Nick Bosa. It's or, Trey Lance season. Joey Bosa. Which one's in? Nick is in. Nick's in San Fran. Yeah. Um, Nick Bosa. You got a good secondary in, in San Fran. Trey Lance, you know, Kyle Shanahan thinks highly of him. Uh, jury's still out for me. But I think I'm anticipating a, an explosion. I, I think I think the Niners could have a big year. I the way I see it is, I think you'll see the type of explosion like you did with Colin Kaepernick, but the consistency and how long it actually lasts will be a lot longer. I mean, you got to think the Niners were in the NFC Championship game last year. Yeah, and you had Jimmy Garoppolo just playing. Please don't, please don't lose me this game, ball. Right. Right. So. I, I think the Niners could could be division champs this year, and who knows, maybe make a run at the Super Bowl. And you, usually, when you see Super Bowl winners, they they get everybody's best punch. Yeah, and I, and I feel like and losing a couple coaches, a and people are saying, "Don't worry about it." But I am a little worried about that ten and ice with Matt Stafford. Yep. And you're losing your reliable Elshu legend and Andrew Whitworth at like. Right, you you lost some pieces. You gained some pieces for sure, but you no no question no question. It, it worries me for sure. No question about it. The Arnaville Fire Volunteer Fire Department is hosting a black pot cookoff Saturday, September tenth. Cooking begins at eight. Eating begins at noon. It's taking place at the Flower Auditorium in Arnaville. There will also be plenty of live music, including Gerald Gernick and Gentilly Zydeco, Dustin Sonier, and Sweet Cecilia. For more information, visit www.arnavillefire.org. Take a time out right here. When we return, Stephen Willis of Locked On Ole Miss will join us to give a preview into Lane Kiffin and the Rebels. 
before the Tigers take on Ole Miss in October. You're listening to the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Had a rough day at work? Got lady problems? Not to worry, because you have two wingmen right here. You can be my wingman anytime. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh, 38 minutes after the hour on The Game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. James, we, we've been working on our football bracket as of late. And today we can officially say that we have started the second round. Now, looking at the second round matchups, things are going to get very, very interesting. Okay, so we've posted two of the four second round matchups thus far. Uh, the, the two that are up on Twitter. First one is Remember the Titans and the Replacements. This one's not pretty. Remember the Titans is leading 77% to 23% currently. And then in the second matchup, the blind side and Friday Night Lights. Friday Night Lights is leading that one 647 to 35.3%. Also fitting that we ran the Friday Night Lights matchup today. Gary Gaines, the coach behind the actual Permian Panthers, passed away today. Uh, so very, very sad news for the Friday Night Lights story, but pretty cool that we decided to run that matchup today on on that day for, again, the Permian Panthers. So now it's time to, you know, look at look at college football, and you know you're you're getting close. What is it? Eleven days now uh, until the start of the season, unless you count week zero, then it's four days. But and, and there's a couple of good matchups in week zero. I'm not going to completely knock it, but you, your your top flight college football doesn't start till next Saturday. And it's going to be one of those one of those things James where, you know, LSU, they don't play till Sunday night. So it's going to be a weird adjustment for fans, you know, how do you how do you work out your schedule for the weekend cuz let's be honest, here in South Louisiana, you work your schedule around when LSU and UL play. Yeah, you're so used to them playing on Saturdays that this first game is going to be on Sunday night. It's like, if anything's going to be on a Sunday night, you would hope it'd be a Saints game. Right. Right, but since there's no Saints game that week, you've got the Cajuns on Saturday, you've got the Tigers on Sunday. So maybe it works out better this way? Almost. because For, for the week that doesn't have the Saints, you, you can devote one day to the Cajuns and then one day to the Tigers? I don't know. That's interesting. That's very, very interesting. Uh, one big game to note this weekend is, of course, Nebraska and Northwestern, who are playing at 11.30 a.m. on Saturday morning. They're going to be in Dublin, Ireland for that one, bringing college football across the globe, baby. They're going to be at 
Aviva Stadium in Dublin. Nebraska's a 13-point favorite in that one. That is brutal, brutal odds. A couple other matchups, UConn, Utah State, Duquesne, Florida State, Charlotte, Florida Atlantic, Florida A&M, North Carolina, Vanderbilt, Hawaii. See, I'm not going to knock a, a university. Like, everybody should have the right to play college football. But if you're in Hawaii, how do you expect teams to travel to you? How can you afford to travel to teams? Like, I kid you not, Saturday night, and now Vanderbilt's an odd commodity because they're rolling in in dollars. I mean, they are just rich at Vandy. They are going from Nashville, Tennessee to Honolulu, Hawaii to play a football game. James, it doesn't make sense. Uh, I'm rolling my eyes because the travel miles. You're stacking those up for sure. But that is that is ridiculous. Yeah, that's um, that's intriguing to, to say the least. Vanderbilt and Hawaii kicking off. You ready for this? 9.30 p.m. 9.30 p.m. here. It'll be 5.30 in Hawaii. That's tough. That's yikes. Um, yeah, that's. I'm not a huge fan of this right now. That that's very very rough, very rough. All right. Um. And again, look looking further down, the the schedule, the Cajuns will play Southeastern on September 3rd at 6 p.m. And then the LSU Tigers will take on Florida State on Sunday, February the 4th, and kickoff in that one is scheduled for. 6.30 on ABC. LSU currently a three-point favorite in that one with an over-under of 51 and a half. So what, like 27-24? Could see that. I, I could see that kind of game between the, the Tigers and the Seminoles. James, what did you think about the Kevin Durant news that uh, he, he's apparently going to stick it out in Brooklyn? Even though I'm sweating in here, or at least starting to, I can no longer sweat about him being a potential Celtic and losing Jalen Brown. So that was a huge sigh of relief for me. Yeah, it's it's just dramatic, you know. The you, you kind of throw a little temper tantrum, like, "Oh, I want my way or the highway." Like, either keep these two guys and I leave, or you keep me and you get rid of them. Well, it's, well guess right. what? At the and end of the day, we're keeping everyone. Right, and you're gonna like it. So like, get over yourself. You say you don't like the future, but you're the one that brought in all these different players and said don't and you don't see, bring them back. That's the biggest thing. The guys that he doesn't want back are the guys that he brought. And the guys that he wanted to kick rocks are doing pretty well for themselves. I still like Jared Allen as a center. Absolutely. I still, he's a very good center. He's very good at, at blocking shots and playing defense. I need that as a rim protector. Did you see the story about Nick Saban's contract? No. What, what about it? He's got a contract extension through 2029 that will pay him more than $90 million over the next eight years. He is eternal. They've increased his he's base. He's eternal. They increased his base compensation to 305000 over each year of the contract. 
However, the main part of his contract involves the talent fee, which starts at $9,595,000 during the 2022 season and will increase to $12,395,000 at the end of the contract when Saban is 79. This answers any doubts and any questions about him staying long-term. Right. And anybody being like, oh, he doesn't like NIL. He's, he's going to be out of here within the next year or two. Saban, Psych! Saban will still also, here for another seven. Saban will also receive an $800,000 contract completion benefit each year between 2022 and 2025. They are just looking for dollars to pay this man. I mean, I can't say that I blame them. I mean, it's Nick Saban, and he's won you seven national championships in the last 15 years. So, I mean, I can't say that that's pretty good odds, one every other year. I mean, that's solid. That's solid numbers to look at. But again, the the fun, the thing that I find crazy is when you look at his contract, his salary is only $305,000. But he has a $9.6 million talent fee. Excuse me? That is absolutely ridiculous kind of numbers. Absolutely insane. Saban released a statement. Our family is very happy to agree to a contract extension with the University of Alabama. Terry and I are very appreciative of the unmatched commitment the university has thrown to this football program and our family over the last 15 plus years. This is our home and we look forward to finishing our career at Alabama. You don't say. You appreciate the large sums of money that you're getting from the university? No way. We want to thank the Board of Trustees, Chandler Finnis St. John, President Stuart Bell, Athletic Director Greg Byrne, our Athletics Administration, the football staff, and the whole university community for their support. With a new contract, Saban will make $10.7 million in 2022 before incentives. Before incentives, the man's going to make $10.7 million. It must be good to be a good college football coach. We'll take a timeout. When we return, we'll wrap up hour number one and get you set for hour number two on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. It's time to talk some Ole Miss Rebels football. Stephen Willis of Locked On Ole Miss joins us. Stephen, man, thanks so much for taking the time. How you doing? Yeah, thanks you for having me. Sorry, I was a little bit late coming in, man, but it, it, it's been a day. <laughs> Let, let's look at the Rebels. You know, 10-3 and three last year, good, strong season under Matt Corral and Lane Kiffin. Lane's back for year number three. How did you use the success of last year to take it a step further here in 2022? Well, the main thing you need is you need to pick correctly in the quarterback competition, whoever gets that job. But I think Jackson Dart is probably the quarterback that provides the highest ceiling that allows them to replicate last year. I think it's just a little bit higher. And the talent profile on the players around him, maybe it's such to where he doesn't need to be Matt Corral, but his dynamicism um, is going to be well appreciated for this Ole Miss team because – they're, it's going to allow them to do things that they wouldn't normally be able to do. You know, Jackson Dart, you talked about him coming in from USC, now under Lane Kiffin's system. How has he looked in camp? Just kind of talk about his progression, you know, under Kiffin's offense. 
Yeah, when he got here in the spring, he kind of had a disappointing spring. Um, it was a little bit erratic. Luke Altmaier kind of was able to keep him at arm's length during the spring, and he had a rough spring game. So everybody like flipped over the expectations of well, maybe Luke Altmaier has a chance to win this job, and you know that was the natural progression. But apparently, that served as good motivation for Jackson Dart. So he had a scrimmage to where he was like seventeen or 20, 200 yards and two touchdowns. And the rumor is the second scrimmage, he kind of replicated that. And so I think the light kind of came on to him for him a little bit, but I mean, Luke Altmaier is still there and Lane Kiffin's playing it like close to the best of which one he's going to pick. But if it's my guess, it's going to be Jackson Dart against Troy. Looking at the backfield, talk about, you know, the running backs behind Jackson Dart. If that ends up who's being who ends up being the starting quarterback, who can step up in that role and contribute in this offense? Yeah, um, Zach Evans is number one. He's a preseason third team All SEC player. He's never played it down in the SEC. His talent is Adrian Peterson level talent. He is a super back. He's a running back that Ole Miss has never had. Now Deuce McAllister actually happened, and he developed at Ole Miss over time but he didn't come in with that pedigree that Zach Evans has. Behind him is Ulysses Bentley IV, who was the almost a Jerry and Ely Plus type running back at SMU. Super fast, super quick, excellent hands in that air raid system that they ran out in Dallas. And then you have Quinshawn Judkins, who if you look at him on film, he looks like, to me, TJ Yeldon 2.0. So that backfield is probably better than it was last year when Snoop Connor and Jerry and Ely and Henry Parrish Jr. was making all kinds of plays. That's going to be exciting because they they provide a little bit of a safety blanket for whoever wins the quarterback job because that offense is going to flow through that backfield, I think, all season long. Looking at the receiving core for the Rebels, Jonathan Mingo leads that group after a pretty good year last year. Who else could step up and make an impact in that group? Yeah, Malik Heath, believe it or not, the um, Mississippi State transfer, which is still weird to think about, um, has made some plays in camp. He's a another receiver that's real similar to Jonathan Mingo in the way he plays. Braylon Brown kind of fits that same deal. He's kind of my pick to click on this team. I'm thinking Braylon Brown's going to take a step, and by mid-year he could potentially be starting. Um, but he was a former four-star player that got hurt last year, fell behind the chains a little bit and is now just now starting to come back. Now, if you look at the inside receivers, they have Jalen Robinson. They have J.J. Henry, who Lane Kiffin has raved about in camp. He's a um, – I'm not calling him Jalen Waddle, but that's the way he plays that slot position. The other one kind of plays it like Elijah Moore did. So you have the phone both player, and then you just have the super explosive little guy. Um, that's the difference in those two players, and I think they're trying to figure out how exactly that will work and how that will look. Chat with Stephen Willis of Locked On Old Miss. Stephen, four starters back on the O-line, probably the best position this group has been in since 2018-2019. What do you expect up front for this offense? Yeah, I, I think it's going to be the bell cow of the team, honestly. With that running back and that offensive line, they would be silly not to run the ball. I think they might run the ball up to 65% of the time um, because of how good they are. They got the transfer that came in from Western Kentucky as well at Mason Brooks, so he'd be the fifth person, and he was an all-conference conference USA player um, while he was up at Western Kentucky. Also, Jaden Williams at left tackle. 
has added a little bit of depth to where they could go seven, eight deep on a team that goes massive tempo. I mean, it's, it's a pretty big deal. And I think between that offensive line and those running backs, they're the ones that's actually going to carry this Ole Miss team. Defensively, you know, seven starters return for 2022, which is just a, a massive number to, to look at for this group. How can the experience that this defense is going to carry in transition for Maurice Crum in year one? Yeah, basically you have you go three deep at um, on the defensive line. Like nine players are rotating through on the defensive line. They actually have depth, which is something they haven't had. I mean, if you remember when Wesley McGriff was the defensive coordinator in 2017 and 2018, Ole Miss couldn't stop a nosebleed. So it, it's weird to see a competent defensive line. It is weird to see um, a situation to where the linebackers – can feed off of that defensive line. And the strength of this team is probably their secondary. I know you haven't asked about them yet, but um, there's some dudes back there. And because of that, that is going to allow the defensive line to really grow and their depth to play ball a little bit. Last question I got for you very quickly. FanDuel has the Ole Miss Rebels at seven and a half over under. Which one are you taking? I think I'm taking the over, um, I, this, but I'm taking the over with a caveat. This team is a high-ceiling, low-floor team because 2023 is really what this team is built for because Jackson Dart and all of those guys are going to be back next year. This team could go 11-1 and one this year, I think. This team could also go 5-7. and seven. I think it's somewhere in the middle they're going to land, and if you look at that, that's probably going to be about eight wins, and that'd probably be the over. Steven, really appreciate you taking the time, man. Great work as always, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. All right, thanks, bud. Hour number one, come and gone. Hour number two on the other side. This is the game. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hour number two, and we're rocking and rolling right off the bat. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, 502 on your Tuesday afternoon. David Eckert of the Hattiesburg American joins us via the game hotline to discuss Will Hall and the Southern Miss Golden Eagles. David, thanks so much for taking the time, man. How you doing? Hey, guys. I'm doing great. I'm excited to be on. So let's look at last year, you know, first year for Will Hall, who at one point was here in Lafayette, Louisiana, as the offensive coordinator for the Louisiana Rage and Cajuns. Again, 3-9 and nine last year. A little bit of positive to take away from that, however. What are those positives that can be taken away to improve on this season? Well, um, I think if you just look at, like, the circumstances under which that happened, right, um, you know, I mean, Southern Miss played five or six different quarterbacks. They just had uh, so many so many injuries at quarterback. They had, I think the number was 62 guys on scholarship. They're up to 85 now. Um, you know, at the, at the end of the season, they're playing, you know, the super back, the running back at quarterback, and, and they're intentionally running the clock down, um, the play clock down before every snap because they wanted to limit the number of snaps that uh, that were in the game because they were so concerned about their lack of depth and guys getting hurt. So, 
um, all of that has pretty much been resolved. Um, you know, you'd imagine that they're not going to go through their entire quarterback depth chart this season. And, you know, they've added some nice depths. They've, they've brought in 10 division one transfers. They had a massive recruiting class. So, you know, they're, they're looking like a, like in the division one football program again. Trey Lowe and Ty Keys are two guys both back in the quarterback room from last season. Talk about those guys in that group and, and who you could maybe see being the starting quarterback. Sure. Well, well, well the starting quarterback is going to be Ty Keys. Um, you know, Ty is a he's going to be a redshirt freshman. Um, you know, really, really talented kid. Um, you know, he's, he's he was an ESPN 300 recruit. Um, you know, one of the more decorated uh, quarterbacks in, in in the history of Mississippi high school football. So, um, they're really excited about him. He can make some really make some plays with his legs. Um, you know, and 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 he's, he he there aren't many throws in the field that he can't make. But look, I mean, he, he he's played in four collegiate games. You know, he had injuries last year. This is still a guy that's learning. So this is not. I wouldn't expect it to be a smooth and easy process for him by any means. Um, and then Trey, you know, he's kind of like all reliable, right? And, you know, if something goes wrong, um, you know, he's, he's a great second option, um, you know, and, and he's, he's experienced. He's been there before. And, and they actually have, who has kind of been, been splitting the reps with Trey Lowe with the twos is, is a true freshman, uh, Zach Wilkie. Who's looked great in camp? So they have some exciting, exciting quarterbacks. Um, but yeah, it's going to be it's going to be Ty Keys to start. Frank Gore Jr. in the backfield, and man, if if names could give you anything, he would uh he would have the load at, at, at running back. Talk about who's behind him on the depth chart that that could maybe you know complement his game. Yeah, so you're looking at um, a guy like uh, Dejon Richard. Um, Janari Dean, uh, you know, who, who just, they just brought in from Old Miss, um, a guy who got hurt last year who's kind of playing that super back hybrid, you know, slot wide out running back type type role is, is Chandler Pittman, um, a guy they call Rambo and Tavius Willis. That, they, they have weapons. Um, you know, that, that running back room is solid. They're going to find creative ways to get them the ball. Um you know, and it's it's just a matter of whether they can get the platform um, from from the rest of the offense uh, to to put them in a position to succeed. Looking at receivers now, Jason Brownlee back is kind of the leader of that core. Your top three receivers from twenty twenty one are back. Talk about this group and, and you know how they can make you know Ty Keys's job at quarterback easier. Yeah, I, I think. For my money, this is probably the best position group that Southern Miss has on offense. Um, you know, Jason Brownlee kind of know what he is. He's a, he's outstanding. Um, if they can get uh, the offensive line uh, to improve and, and and get some decent quarterback play, he's going to have really explosive numbers. Another guy who they really like is is Jacarius Caston, um, who they actually have said felt like was one of the best wide receivers in Conference USA last year. They just never got him the ball because of how much of a mess they were. Um, so, you know, he's another guy to watch out for. They have a couple uh, pretty good deep threats 
uh, Brandon Hayes, Latrell Jones. Um, they have a true freshman, Ty Mims, who I really like the look of from what I've seen in practice. So they've got some options there. It's going to be interesting to see if they have a more functional offense this year, um, you know, whether they have, whether they can support, you know, two or three, you know, good wide receiving options. Um, it's all about, to me, what kind of goes on around them because um, I think that's a pretty good room. Looking at the O-line, four returning starters, two P5 transfers as well. Talk about that experience and how important that is for, for an offense. Yeah, this is the big, 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 big question mark, right? Um, you know, they brought in Sam Gregg from Liberty, who is going to coach uh, coach the offensive line this year. Um, it was last year, it was, you know, one of the five worst offensive lines in college football. It was just really bad. Um, and look, I mean, the personnel, you mentioned it there, the personnel is, is pretty similar, right? So, um, you know, uh, Calvin McMillan is a guy who might factor into the starting five. He hasn't uh, done much in camp yet. Uh, he's got a little bit of a hand injury. Um and he's one of those transfers you're talking about. But, you know, the the five that are up front are, are the same five that were there last year for the most part. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they can get out of them. Um, it's It's got to be better you know, for them to have a chance, um, you know, maybe make a bowl game, maybe win five or six games. They absolutely have to have an improved performance from their offensive line, 100% imperative. So, um, that, to me, is the, is, the, is the position group that I'm watching closest right now. Chatting with David Eckert of the Hattiesburg American here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Defensively, David, seven starters back for the Golden Eagles. Tylen Knight, the Ole Miss transfer, and Malik Shorts, two big names to kind of stick off the page for me. Who else on this group can make an impact? Yeah, um, the, guy, the guy who has impressed me the most um, is Dalen Gill. He's another Ole Miss transfer. Um, he's been a monster at, at linebacker. He's just been really, really, really good. Um, and, you know, they have experience at linebacker. They have, you know, two or three guys there who have played thousands of snaps at the collegiate level. And, you know, it, I think Dalen Gill might force their hand and, 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 you know, be on the field to start in week one. We'll see. He's been really good. Um you know, you kind of look at the defensive line. They brought in a, you know, I think uh, three off the top of my head. Division one transfers there. Kind of seeing how that shakes out. Still not entirely sure who's going to get get the get the start there. Um, but there's some talent up front. The the defensive backfield, as as you kind of mentioned, um, with guys like uh, Malik Shorts, Eric Scott, Natron Brooks, um, Cam Harrell. These are all guys who have played, um, who have, you know, a pretty solid amount of experience. Um, this is, this is an, an experienced defense. And, um, Austin Armstrong is a really, really sharp defensive coordinator. Um, so I think that's going to be the backbone of this team. Um, uh, I, I don't think, I don't think there's a whole lot to be concerned about on, on the defensive side of the ball for Southern Miss. I think it's going to be a pretty, a pretty strong unit. Austin Armstrong is another name that uh, the Cajuns fans are familiar yep. with. He spent time on, on Billy Napier's staff pretty recently. 
here at Louisiana. Speaking of Louisiana, it's going to be the first year for the Golden Eagles in the Sun Belt. You know, what's kind of the vibe around Hattiesburg about this move to the Sun Belt Conference? Everybody's really excited. Everybody, you know, it's just like to a man, you know, you talk to somebody about the move and they're happy about it. Um, I think there's uh, there was a lot of frustration, um, I guess, just about the, the Conference USA and, and the way that it was run. Um, they're excited about the Sun Belt and the platform that it provides. Um, but I think more than anything, they're excited that I think college football kind of feels local again. You know, because if you look at the, I guess, the geographic footprint of the Sun Belt, I mean, Southern Miss is perfect for it. You know, I mean, there's a number of games that are drivable. Um, it feels like there can be some some local rivalries to arise from this. So, yeah, everybody's really fired up about it. Looking at the schedule now, David, it starts with a slightly regressed Liberty team, and then you go to Miami. You also feature Louisiana and Coastal Carolina. What are your overall thoughts on, on this schedule for 2022? Yeah, it's it's interesting because to me um, – you know, I, I think I think Southern Miss is going to be a team that gets better as the season goes on. Um, you look at that start. Um, Liberty is a game that they can win. Um, I don't I don't know that they will. Uh, you know, I mean, there's there's a lot that we don't know about Liberty, and there's you know a lot that we don't know about Southern Miss. You know, to be totally honest with you. So um, then you go to Miami. I don't really think they're in a they're at a stage in their program rebuild where, where Southern Miss is going to be competitive in that game. Um, you know, you get an FCS team here in, in, in Northwestern State that should be a win, and then you got to go to Tulane. So that's that's a difficult game as well. Um, and then you start Sunday. You know, it's it's there, there, there are no gimmies, right? Um, and, and I think Southern Miss fans are expecting to see some progress. Um you know, with this team and, and, you know, win more than three games. And I think that's a fair expectation. I don't, I don't quite know if they get to that magical six number. I think it's going to be very close. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, they, they get two very good, uh, two very good teams from the Sunbelt East as well. Um, in, in, uh, in Georgia state and, and coastal. So, you know, that, that those two tough games, it's going to be tough. Um, but, at the same time, it's exciting because these are a lot of new faces. These are a lot of new programs that Southern, Southern Miss hasn't played um, either ever or for for a little while. So, it's uh, I think there's a lot of a lot of excitement over over the uh, over the schedule this year. FanDuel Sportsbook has the Golden Eagles over under five and a half. Which one would you take, over or under? Yeah, you're putting me on the spot, aren't you? <laughs> um, it's. <laughs> I think I would go. I would go very slightly lean over. I think. I think they have a chance to get to six. Um, but you know, am I confident in that? Absolutely not. But uh, I, if, if you're putting me on the spot, I'll, I'll go with over right at six. David Eckert of the Hattiesburg American joining us for a preview of Southern Miss. David, really appreciate you taking the time before you run. Tell our listeners where they could find your work. Sure thing. Um, you can find the uh, find all my stories at uh, HattiesburgAmerican.com. Um, if you're into really terrible puns and occasional Southern Miss tweets, you can follow me at David Eckert 98 on Twitter. Um, but yeah, uh, looking forward to, to a really exciting football season and and 
you know, hopefully an engaging one for Southern Miss fans. Fantastic, David. Great stuff as always. Appreciate you taking the time, man. Thanks for having me, guys. Have a good one. And there he goes, David Eckert of the Hattiesburg American. All right, James, before we take a timeout, we got to tell the folks about Suit Up. You and I were actually there this morning. Yeah, it was fun. I, I really enjoyed this experience. Getting getting fitted. Um, next Tuesday, let's just say this. If you watch us on the simulcast, you are in for a treat. Things are going to get very, very interesting. Colorful. Yeah, very, very colorful as well. Um, so definitely looking forward to that. Um, you know, Suit Up, what they like to do is they, they do tuxedos and suits for all occasions. Wedding party specials. They've got great sports coats, professional service, measuring you, making you feel important. They've got three locations in Lafayette, New Iberia, and now open in Lake Charles across from the Prion Lake Mall. Suit Up wants you to know that you can get dressed for homecoming at Suit Up. Dress shoes, Southern Marsh, which, by the way, we told you about this last week. Southern Marsh, 50% off until Labor Day on their summer collection. So go check them out on Ambassador Caffrey here in Lafayette, in New Iberia, and again, now open in Lake Charles on Prion Lake Road across from the mall. Great stuff. Suit up. Really appreciate them and everything that they do for the men of this world. We'll take a timeout right here, and when we return, you will hear from Louisiana head football coach Michael Desermo and as well as Dennis Allen after, but first the Cajuns, after they announced that Chandler Fields is the new QB1 for the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. We'll do that on the other side here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Today, I think the big thing, the big order of business is we've made our decision on the starting quarterback. The competition was great all the way through it. You know, those guys competed really hard. Um, but Chandler Fields is going to be our starting quarterback. Um, he gives us the best chance to go out there and go win and go play really good football for us this year. You know, that's where we're at as a team, and we're going to move forward with Chandler. Chandler Fields, QB1 of the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Third year with the program, now looking to, to fill in that, that starting role for Michael Desermo's offense. It was a great battle between him and Ben Woldridge, the Fresno State transfer. But in the end, Chandler just had the slight edge. Michael Desermo also spoke about what stood out about Chandler Fields. You know, I think throughout fall camp, it, it, became, it became a little bit more clear as we went along to me that, you know, Chandler, he just he makes plays down the field, you know, and he pushes the ball down the field and he makes a lot of plays down the field and I think you play quarterback to win the game you know you don't play it not to lose it and he's got that mentality and he's done a really good job running the offense and operating it I think it just came down to me to the guy that made more plays and put the ball in better spots down the field that's kind of that's where we went with it you know there's a big difference between that James playing quarterback to win games and playing quarterback not to lose them yeah there's a big difference because Ultimately, you want a guy that's going to push the envelope. You want somebody that is looking to win and then win big. Not just somebody who's trying to just escape, hopefully, with a win. But you see, looking, looking at this quarterback battle, it was so tight all the way through. Michael Desermo has said that even though 
there won't be a two-quarterback system, both quarterbacks will play for the Cajuns. I mean, you would never hand anyone anything. We have two, from the beginning, felt like we had two really good options there. And, you know, Chandler's been in a competition since the day he got here. And he's battled through it. And, you know, everyone has to go through ups and downs and personal, you know, highs and lows and things like that. And he's done a really good job and he's came out of the other side of it. You know, I told this to our team and I told this to those two guys that Ben Woolridge will play for us this year. He deserves that opportunity. It's not a two quarterback system. It is not a controversy. It's not in question anymore. It's simply put, he deserves to play. And so he'll get a couple series, especially early in the year and get an opportunity to go out there and go play for the way that he's prepared. But it's very similar to what we did with Levi in 2018. He's going to have a couple of series. He's going to play a little bit, and that's going to be that. I think the kid deserves it. In fact, I know he does. Um, everyone on the, on the team respects him, Chandler included. And I think that's a very fair thing to do, and especially it's a good way to get him some game experience and some game reps, you know, in case if the worst happens and, and you got to go from there. So that's the plan that we're going to have. One thing that benefits Chandler Fields greatly is the fact that he spent two years behind Levi Lewis, who we've said before fell 14 yards short of Jake DeLome's all-time passing yards record at Louisiana. And, you know, when you sit behind a guy like that for that long and the leader that Levi was, you pick up certain qualities about not only his on-the-field play but his leadership ability and, you know, the things that he tells – his teammates and his coaches and the way he might dissect film or, you know, things of that nature. So it's beneficial for a guy like Chandler Fields to come into a system where they have a quarterback in place and and just kind of sit, take your time. He, he got some, he got reps here and there throughout those two years uh, through, I think 13 passes last year for Louisiana just get your feet wet, get acclimated, learn the playbook. That way, when it's your time to roll, that you're 100% ready to go. So then Michael Desermo was asked, you know, what did Chandler Fields learn from Levi Lewis during those two years? Oh, James is on the phone. Okay, not going to have that right at the moment. But again, you know, a great battle between Chandler and Ben. I mean, going into Saturday, it still hadn't been decided. Uh, I I don't think it was decided until Saturday's scrimmage in, in the indoor facility for the Cajuns. So you've got Chandler going to be the quarterback. You've got Chris Smith, Draylon Washington, and Terrence Williams looking to be the guys in the backfield. And then, you know, you got a couple other pieces there as well. But that receiving core, we've talked about it before. Michael Jefferson, Dante Fleming, John Stevens Jr., Errol Rogers, Peter LeBlanc, Neil Johnson, Johnny Lumpkin. It is an absolutely loaded receiving class so Chandler's gonna have a lot of weapons to be able to push the ball down the field with and I think he's going to be the right call for that position because again like Des has said before Chandler pushes the envelope Chandler takes risks and makes decisions that Ben probably wouldn't have made and 
when you have the talent that you have at receiver and you have the protection that you have up front, you're going to need guys that are able to take those chances and, and push the ball down the field, which is heavily important for an offense like the Cajuns. Michael Desermo also spent some time talking about the conversation that he had with Ben Woolrich. Uh, I mean, it wasn't easy, so I don't know if it was either way. Uh, it's a lot easier when it's someone that you feel like really isn't ready. Like if, if it was to go in there and say, look, you are not ready to be the guy right now. But I think on most teams out there, I think he'd be the starting quarterback. I truly believe that. Um, so you're picking the guy that gives your team the best chance right now to win. And that's what I did. And, um, you know, we as a staff and myself, I feel like there's no doubt in my mind after going through this thing that it is Chandler. If I didn't feel that way, you know, maybe we would have pushed it back a little bit longer. Maybe we do some things differently, but it's going to be him. It needs to be him. And, you know, as hard of a conversation as it is to have, it has to be done, you know. And when you have good kids that work really hard, it's always difficult. It doesn't matter, you know. Even when you kind of feel like they're not quite ready, sometimes they feel like they are, and it's still difficult to have. But, you know, it's really hard when you have a guy that does things the right way. He's coming here and competed. And like I said, he's been a great teammate since he got here. He's continuing to do that. And, you know, I mean, I knew how much it meant to him. That's what makes it really hard. Going to the New Orleans Saints now, Dennis Allen spent some time talking about the performance of newly acquired linebacker John Bostic. I think he did a pretty, pretty good job. You know, really, he came in on, you know, Monday and threw him into a couple of practices and put him out there in the game. So I'll have to go back and look at the tape to see exactly how he did. But you know, I know he made one nice tackle on the sideline in coverage. I think he was the guy that picked up the fumble. So, you know, those were a couple of positive plays. Eric McCoy also spent some time talking about how he has loved having a guy like Doug Marone on the coaching staff. I wouldn't say easy is the word, but we love having Coach Marone in the room. Very detail-oriented guy. Like, he, he really, really hones in on this first step that I was talking about, and that's something that I've never really had to consciously think about until now. I've never really been coached on it. I feel like that's the same thing for a lot of guys, taking up new coaching points and moving on with them. Like I said, we love having him in the room. Football season is here, and the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to crown you the tailgating king. It's the ultimate tailgate giveaway powered by St. Landry Lumber, Austin's Outdoors, and the game. Score $500 to Chop Specialty Meets, a new grill with accessories, a cooler, a set of chairs, a $500 Visa gift card, tickets to LSU and Raging Cajun football games, and so much more. Enter in the Game Rewards Club, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com for the ultimate tailgate giveaway powered by St. Landry Lumber, Austin's Outdoors, and the game. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Take a timeout right here. We'll go to the moon with Apollo Dez of Apollo HOU. Get his thoughts on Carlos Correa being back in Houston, what the Astros can do to keep home field advantage, and the dominating stretch of Alex Bregman. Here on the game, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Fly me to the moon. That's driven deep to left center field. Garner is going back. Looking up. See you later. See you later. Astros headed back to the World Series. Miguez and Nash are ready to launch into all things Houston Astros. Here is To The Moon on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh.
Apollo Dez, Apollo H-O-U, joining us for To The Moon. Dez, what's going on, brother? How are you? I'm good, bro. How are you? I'm doing well. Three games set against the Minnesota Twins starting tonight. That means Carlos Correa is back in the juice box. Give me your thoughts on Correa being back, and how do you think the crowd's going to receive it? Yeah, I mean, it's, it always sucks when uh, superstars leave the team, right? We've seen it with Springer. We've seen it with Cole. Um, but Correa kind of hurts uh, the most, I think, because when you take a guy 1-1 overall, um, and, and he was the the catalyst to the golden age because when when he was drafted, it was all about the 100, 100 lost teams, right, and we're tanking to, to get to this future. And when he came up in 2015, you were like, all right, this is this is the vision coming into play. So uh, it's just spiraled into this all this October success and all these great memories. And uh, I think the Houston crowd is going to uh, accept him and, and give him standing ovation before the game during the tribute video as he digs in, and then it's uh, go time, right? I want Justin Verlander to strike him out. Uh, but I, I just I'm excited to be there tonight at the game and, and just to thank Carlos or everything for for he did for the city. 78 and 45 for the Astros. They're currently the best team in the American League. However, as you and I both know, there's still a lot of baseball left to be played. How can the Astros, you know, keep a grip on that top spot in the AL and, and keep home field through the playoffs? Yeah, I think that's a, a really good question. I think just control what you can control. Never get too high. Never get too low. Uh, I know the the series and road trip with the White Sox and, and the Braves. Um, was a little rough, uh, even playing you know slightly below 500 ball. But just just go out there and play good baseball. Give me your thoughts on the Mancini, Vasquez, and Smith trades. You know now that they've gotten their feet wet in Houston for a couple of weeks, how would you how would you grade those trades now? Yeah, I think those are trades that are are made for October. Um, I think it'll pay dividends then. But for now, I think they're two of the three are great. Will Smith needs to figure out some stuff and. Look, he was lights out on October. Obviously, he, he shoved and, and shut the Astros down, but he struggled this year, and he struggled here in Houston a bit as well. I think that's the uh, a trade that both sides is kind of just like, uh, okay, great, uh, because Odorizzi struggled for Atlanta, and obviously Will Smith hasn't been uh, the Will Smith we saw in October. But the Vasquez and Mancini deals, I mean, uh, those, those are moves for October. And I'm excited to see them to keep getting innings and see their roles expand. Now, Des, you know, you talked about the the road trip. You struggled against Atlanta this past weekend, only winning one out of three. The second game, that 11-inning game, you probably should have won that one as well. How can the Astros, you know, look back on that series and and, and start to figure them out? Because it, it seems possible, very possible if you ask me, that uh, the Astros and Braves could do battle once again in the World Series. Yeah, hundred percent. I think uh, I think they need a, a, a few seeding spots to help them out, but they're a dang good ball team. Uh, I think I think you what you could take is just look. The dog days of summer are always have been the Astros' worst enemy. We've seen it over the last six seven years. Uh, but to play competitive games this late uh, with the White Sox and Braves just playing for playoff positioning uh, was huge. I think it, it keeps the guys sharp, keeps them locked in. The September. Uh, schedule lightens up, so that's going to be good for for the October run. But I think having games that matter in August and have this team kind of be locked in and dialed in when coasting is easily done in the dog days uh, was a good 
good metric. And look, they they should have won that game, but they lost in extras. Uh, winning on Sunday before leaving Atlanta has got to be a good feeling. Just get get out of there with a win. Uh, but you just take the good things. You never get too high, never get too low, and um, you just keep building for October. Looking at Alex Bregman, I mean, God, since his son's been born, he's been dominant, Possessed. Possessed. dominant at the plate. Um, my my two big questions is a where the hell has this been, and b how much do you think his son being born maybe factors into this? Yeah, that's a good question. I think I think a lot of people don't realize these guys are human beings. Um, they feel the same things we do. They they have uh, the same problems that we all have. And like the stress of being a first time father, I I'm not a I've never been a father, but I know the stresses that come with that. And it, it's not like you can just roll out of bed and go to your sales job and or your cubicle or whatever. You have to play in front of millions and millions of people every single day. So. Uh, I think just the relief of you know having a healthy healthy baby and, and a healthy wife and everything that came out of that was just a breath of fresh air for Bregman. Um, I think the I think people and fans forget that they're humans at the end of the day, and you know uh, we don't know what's going on in their personal lives. And so I think just that relief and having having that first birth child is just a breath of fresh air for him. And we've seen him kind of revert to that 2019 house Bregman, and he's been possessed. And this team is now even scarier with that type of production from Alex Bregman yeah. along with the lineup one through nine. Yeah, you're you're not lying. Apollo Dez of Apollo HOU joining us here for To the Moon Tuesdays. Justin Verlander's been on a tear as well. Lance McCullers coming back. He had a he had a rough second outing, but still, you know, getting back into the rhythm of things. When they're on, they're probably one of the best one two duos in all of baseball. Talk about their success and, and how these guys can continue that success going into October. Yeah, pitching in pitching in October and defense in October travel. Um, and to have a Lance McCullers Jr., to have a Justin Verlander, to have a Framber Valdez, and a Jose Urquidy that came on strong to stitch in the cutter. And not even we're not even talking about Christian Javier, who's just a Swiss Army knife, who'd be in the pin or be in the rotation. Um, it's huge. I, I think that makes the Astros the overwhelming favorite. And the offense gets hot in October. Man, that's going to be really fun for this fan base. Talking about Verlander, it was announced yesterday that he would be opting out of his player option and becoming a free agent this offseason, probably because of the performance that he's had this year. is worth more than $25 million a year. Do you think the Astros sit down with Justin Verlander this offseason and, and re-sign him to a new deal? Uh, I would hope so. I mean, I think there's a mutual interest between the Verlander party and the – that's the downtown sounds of Houston. Sorry about that. Uh, and, and Jim Crane. And so I think uh, there could be a deal struck. Um, but then again, it could be a, a, a moment where the Astros move on. Hunter Browns is ready to go in Sugarland, uh, and we're, we're still really deep with pitching. So it's going to be really interesting how they tackle it, but – I look at it as a, a found house money concept where you know what you're getting out of Justin Verlander. Do it again. Uh, max out this one-year deal. Give him another player option. If he, he you know, balls out like he does at 40 years old, then you do it all over again and re-up. And I think you keep doing that. And I think he's open to that. So um, anytime you have a Justin Verlander that is pitching the way he is and sustaining it the way he is, uh, you, have to, you have to kick your tires without bringing him back. Jordan Alvarez had to leave the game over the weekend and actually had to be sent to the hospital for, for evaluation. The story that I've been told was dehydration. 
What's the latest with him? I know he ended up back in the lineup on Sunday, but but still, you know, very concerning to to see what he had to go through. What's the latest with Jordan? Yeah, I heard the same things. Um, I think they're playing a little close to their chest, but seeing him back in the lineup Sunday, getting that that two RBI knock to to make the game tied at two um, was huge, uh, probably for for his psyche and, and the team trainers as well. So um, I'm not too worried. I'm just gonna just just chalk it up as part of the 162 stretch, and um, and we'll just keep chugging along. But anytime you see a, a player pull himself for those kind of reasons, one, it's, it's never a good thing, but two, also uh, the player being able to be cognizant of that in the game is also a big thing. Uh, others would try to play through it, fight through it, whatever that was, and it could have got scary. So I'm glad they took the precautions and everything that they went through, but to see him back in the lineup Sunday and, and produce the way he has, um, I'm looking forward to tonight, and I, I think he hits a home run tonight. Really? Yeah, I'm going to go on a limb. So, so on at the home run tonight. So, so should I take that as a Dinger Tuesday bet on Fanduel? Yeah, let's let's do a little. Yeah, let's do it. All right, all right. What are you expecting from this three game set with Minnesota? Uh, winning series from here on out is about winning series. Uh, I know sweeps are sexy, but uh, keep stacking winning series. Keep stacking the lead in the West and overall the, the leading in the American League and make sure you get home field advantage and make sure you know the league has to run through Houston, Texas at the end of the season. So um, I think that's the mindset. Tonight's going to be obviously the, the Correa homecoming. The Apollo gang will be down there. Um, so check the socials out. We'll be able to film and, and, and show that for people that aren't going to be in the stadium. But at the end of the day, just win series, stack them, and, and keep chugging along for October. Looking at the minor league clubs for the Astros, you know, one one big story that I followed over the last couple of days, former Louisiana Raging Cajun standout pitcher Spencer Arigetti was called up to the Corpus Christi Hooks. You know, talk about him and then, you know, what are some other farm system updates that, that you guys have been following? Yeah, so we have a running joke that Arigetti, the spaghetti type type feel in our group messages and it's great. Uh he's been he's been a dude, he's been dealing. Um uh, on the other front, Yanir Diaz and Hunter Brown are just absolute monsters in AAA. They're, they're just uh, Hunter Brown's always been a guy that we've known, but Yanir Diaz coming over in the uh, Maton trade um, is just <laughs> crazy. I mean, this guy absolutely raked. I don't know where you play him. Uh, I don't think he's polished to be a big league catcher or a big league first baseman, but he just hits. And, and as you hit, you don't sit. They, those guys just find a way in the lineup. And then you just figure out the defensive stuff on the other side. And so um, those are two guys in AAA that are just making waves. Corey Lee as well. Obviously, Astro fans uh, got a, a little taste of, of the Corey Lee experience um, this early part of the dog days of summer. But uh, I, I'm really pumped about those three. And obviously, Eric getting to get the call up, which he deserves, is, is a cool thing. Um, but uh, I, think, I think down the stretch, the minor leaguers getting their legs underneath them. Uh, is a good thing because they haven't been used to playing this many games, especially those rookies that just got drafted. Des, I hate to break it to you, but the Arigetti spaghetti joke is, is not unique to you guys. <laughs> that's, that's good. I know. I, I didn't think it was because it was low-hanging fruit. Yeah, we but, were, uh, we, we, we were pulling that message, one. We fired it off. We were pulling that one down here in Cajun country for sure. One more for you Who talk, on the same sentiment, talking about the minor leagues. Who are you eyeballing as maybe some September call-ups for the show's? Yeah, I think uh, Seth Martinez and Hunter Brown. 
uh, are, are for sure guys. Seth Martinez has been a dude and pitched a lot of big innings for the Astros. Obviously, early on, it was a little mop-up duty, but he started getting some high-leverage spots, and he just got out. So that's the name of the game up in the show is get out, especially when the number's called. Um, and then Hunter Brown, I, I mean, they've been using him as a bullpen guy and in different ways, I guess, uh, preparation for September. So those are two big arms and two big uh, key pieces moving forward that really keep this core together and keep this uh, party going. Great stuff as always. Apollo Dez of Apollo HOU. Appreciate you guys each and every week, my man. Absolutely, brother. Thank you. Tune in next week for another edition of To the Moon here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. We love talking about sports. Yeah. You love listening to sports. Yeah. Sounds like we were meant to be together, or at least friends with benefits. Aren't you glad you found us? Back to more of the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Now, if you got any sort of sense, you're going to kick off week one with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. You join today and you can get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up using promo code KLWB to get in on the action. Then you can turn game day into payday all season long. I'll be looking to bet on the Saints' money line and the under on the points scored in their week one matchup against the Atlanta Falcons. But you can play your way and bet on more than just the final score. Wager on everything from touchdowns to total yards to even the catches. You can even combine multiple bets for an even bigger payout with the same game parlay. Don't fumble your chance to get $150 in free bets, win or lose, with promo code KLWB. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana permitted parishes only. First online real money wager only, $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days after the receipt. Restrictions do apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and would like some help, call 1-877-770-STOP. Thank you, James. Welcome back to Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh. 54 after the hour. Quickly, one thing I want to get to before we update the poll question one last time. The University of Florida posted a picture of their football team. Today, they took a team picture in the stands of Ben Hill Griffin Stadium. And if you look at it, there's not a, I mean, there's a good bit of players, but not like a lot. But there's a lot of coaches and support staff. And it has people freaking out. I was going to say, I'm looking at it right now. There's pro, There's a coach for every player. It, it's in some, for some players, there's even two coaches. And so, so a buddy of ours, Ben Upton said college baseball can't get a third paid assistant, but college football can have 100-plus people on their staff. And I agree, college baseball needs a third paid assistant, maybe even a fourth. And people are commenting that there's no need for that many assistants, blah, blah, blah. That's not all assistant coaches. That's coaches, that's trainers, that's the recruiting staff, that's the nutrition staff, that's the strength and conditioning, etc. The interns, that's, like how I was at the Cajuns. That's everybody. Yeah, that's literally everybody that walks into that building. And so I responded with, it takes a lot to run a football program, especially at that level. I mean, that's just, it, it takes a lot of people. I see William Piegler, former right. Cajuns coach. Right. 
And one guy comments, he goes, I mean, it's not literally needed. Yes, it helps, but it's not like schools would shut down their football teams if that staff was cut in half. No, if, but it makes things a lot more difficult if, if that you cut that thing in staff, half. If that coaching staff was cut in half, Florida would be dead. Dead. There's no shot of you winning. A SEC football program needs 100 people. I'm not, talking about the, I'm not talking about the athletic department. I'm talking about the football program needs 100 people on staff. That's the only way you're going to survive. So I don't think it's crazy at all. I think that's actually what Florida needed. Billy Napier understood that, and that's exactly what Billy Napier has done at the University of Florida. So, You want a quick stat? Quick stat of the day? Go ahead. Baker Mayfield on opening days? Mm-hmm. 0-3. Oh, so that makes things interesting when it comes to the Browns Panthers matchup week one. Oh, does he win his first one against his former team? I know, right? Yikes! Be a hell of a start. Get finally get on the right track. You're not lying. You're not lying. I want to take this opportunity to thank Stephen Willis of Locked On Ole Miss, David Eckert of the Hattiesburg American, and of course Apollo Des joining us for To the Moon Tuesdays. We'll bring you the final results of today's poll question tomorrow, as well as the final two matchups of the second round in our football bracket. Join us tomorrow, 4-6, to six, same great station on the game. It's 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. For James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe, be well, hug your mom and them. This is Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Robert Ford and Steve Sparks will bring you Astro Launch at approximately 640 right here on the game.